Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. The L.A. Clippers survive Game 7 in advance. The Philadelphia 76ers might be in trouble. Plus, did the Tennessee Titans just become Super Bowl contenders? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Down 3-2 to the red-hot Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic and the L.A. Clippers. Guess what? They forgot the Clippers. It was remarkable. They come back, they win Game 6, and now... They win game seven, 126 to 111. Joining me now, Will Updike from Locked On Clippers. How much of a boost do you think this is for this team to exercise the demons a little bit? And then now they have the chance to to reach their ceiling, which could be the best team in the West now. Well, I mean, this ever since game two, for me, I, I kind of the talking point I've had has just been, can the Clippers stay in this series long enough for sort of the law of averages to swing back their way? Obviously, like one of the one of the best three point shooting teams for the regular season, one of the best free throw shooting teams. And unfortunately, you know, we didn't see that through through much of the series, but uh, it did finally swing back the Clippers way this time. And this is absolutely huge, I think, to show this kind of poise, especially I mean, after losing three home games, uh, it's really, really tough to to come back. And you know, I've I've definitely had my questions, uh, and doubly so ever since they fell in that game five. But I think that this goes a long way towards galvanizing the team, um, and hopefully, just kind of getting things on the right track. You know, I I, I hesitate uh, to think that they figured everything out because there still were some errors. Uh, but certainly, the small ball lineup seems to be working well, and that is something that. Judging by how long uh, Ty Lue waited to go into it, he was hoping to keep sort of in his back pocket for Utah. What we saw is playoffs Kawhi Leonard, and and we know that that, that guy can be as good as anyone in basketball. How far can this version of Kawhi, who is seemingly wants to dunk on everyone right now, Will, how far can he take them? I mean, it's as far as his ceiling can go, really. I, I think... That's the thing we saw in that game five. Uh, it was in the opening minutes of the game. He missed kind of a point blank layup uh, when he had an opportunity to kind of throw it down. And it gave me a little bit of pause thinking that we would get kind of an off performance and off we did in game five ended up falling in that one. But right now he's looking good. You know, it's it's difficult because, you know, kind of managing some lingering injury issues. It's one of those things where at times he can sometimes look like two different players. However, I mean, he was on in, you know, six out of the seven games uh, in this series for the most part. And I think, yeah, if we can keep him at that level, um, then, it, you know, it's going to keep coming up Clippers. Locked on today is brought to you in partnership with Odyssey. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y, your new home for music, news, sports, and podcasts. Download the Odyssey app today. Coming up, should we be less surprised that Atlanta took game one in Philly? That's next. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The NHL has reached an agreement with the Canadian government to allow for cross-border travel beginning with the Stanley Cup semifinals the league announced Sunday. NHL teams coming from the United States will be able to play in Canada but are subject to enhanced health protocols. The teams must arrive on a private plane and will be subject to daily COVID-19 testing. Once in Canada, the American-based teams will live in a modified quarantine bubble and have no contact with the general public. 
And speaking of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Canadiens had a hard time getting out of round one in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Round two against Winnipeg, piece of cake. Hey everyone, this is Laura Saba of Locked On Canadians. This time last week, the Canadians were preparing for a Game 7 against the Leafs in which they were widely expected to get eliminated. Tonight, they are preparing for a Game 4 at home that could send their opponents packing because the Canadians are up 3-0 with a chance to close up the series in a sweep. There's no guarantees, obviously, but it's been three straight games where the Canadians have played their best games of the playoffs. They've won six in a row so far in the playoffs, and they show no signs of stopping. Carey Price is on top of his game. There's no complaints there. The defense is contributing to the offense, which is what we've wanted all season long in order for this team to be ready for the playoffs, and now they are finally doing it. The Canadians are poised if they play as well as they have in their first three games to close out the series at home. Simone Biles looks ready for the Tokyo Olympics in Japan next month. The 24-year-old GOAT claimed her seventh U.S. title Sunday night. Imagine being the greatest ever at something at 24 years old, delivering another unbelievable performance as she gears up for a bid to become the first woman to win back-to-back Olympic all-around gold in more than 50 years. Her score of 119.650 was nearly five points better than the rest of the field at the U.S. Gymnastics Championships. Patrick Cantlay wins the Memorial Tournament after John Rahm had built a six-shot lead on Saturday, only to test positive for COVID-19 and was pulled. Rahm was informed after tying the 54-hole record at 18-under. His six-shot lead tied the Memorial record set by none other than Tiger Woods. And then he was out of the tournament. This is one of the most abrupt and stark examples of COVID-19 affecting the outcome of a sporting event. The leader by six shots, and he is not able to compete for the championship. Kudos to the PGA Tour for taking their health and safety protocols seriously. That's what happened last night. Here's what to look for today on betonline.ag. The Brooklyn Nets took game one against the Milwaukee Bucks, but game two, the Nets will also not have James Harden, who will be out with a hamstring injury. The betonline.ag line for this game is Brooklyn giving one and a half. The Denver Nuggets and Phoenix Suns get their second round series going tonight. The betonline.ag line for this game is Phoenix giving four and a half. For all your NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoff, MLB, or golf odds, betonline.ag has you covered. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. Here is another story you need to know. Round one had Trey Young taking a bow as the Atlanta Hawks took care of the New York Knicks in game one of the second round series with the Philadelphia 76ers. Well, let's call it an encore. He had 35-10, and 10, and the Hawks stunned Philly, who had Joel Embiid, 128-124. Joining me now from Locked on Hawks, Brad Rowland. And Brad, what was Atlanta able to do, aside from make a bunch of shots? They, scored, they, they shot 42.6%, almost 43% from three in this game. Yeah, a lot of it was just a barrage, honestly, in the first half of this basketball game where the Hawks just could not miss for a while. And the Sixers were turning the ball over like crazy. And that's a problem for Philadelphia in the past, but it was kind of concentrated in the first half. And to the Hawks' credit, they took full advantage of that. 
And when you combine that with Trey Young basically being out of his mind, that's a pretty good recipe and something the Hawks are up by 20, 25 points in the first half. So how sustainable is this with the hot shooting? Because, you know, the shooting is something that we know comes and goes. We saw in game one of the, the Milwaukee-Brooklyn series, Milwaukee is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. You shoot 15% for a game, you're probably going to lose. So is this something you think they can repeat moving forward? They certainly can. I think the bigger number for me almost is that the Hawks were able to take 47 threes and they were all sure. good looks. Um, the fact that they made 20, like, yeah, you might expect them to make 17 instead of 20 out of 47, something like that. But the Hawks got a lot of good looks in this game and they had to make them. And honestly, they had to hold on for dear life at the end of this game. But uh, I, I think it's definitely repeatable, especially if Trey Young is going the way that he has, because with all the attention that he's been getting, he can find shooters and other guys are going to be open. What stands out to me, too, and and we talked about this before we came on here, Joel Embiid scored 39 on a, on a gimpy leg. He goes 12 of 21 and 14 of 15 from the free throw line. If you just told us that, you know, absent any information, there's no way you'd pick the Hawks in this game. And yet Atlanta was able to sustain that and and still get a win. Yeah, if all you knew was what you just said about Embiid, you have to assume Philadelphia would be a heavy favorite in the game, particularly if DeAndre Hunter, who's, who missed this game for the Hawks, was also out. But uh, And by the way, Embiid was plus 13 in a game they yeah. lost by four. So yeah. it was really the bench, uh, quite honestly. All three-point shooting, all the noise, all Trey Young, Joel Embiid. This game was really won and lost, if you look at the numbers, by the bench unit for Philadelphia just kind of collapsing. So I'm not sure how sustainable that is. But yeah, Embiid was everything that Philly could have possibly wanted him to be. And the Hawks are going to have to deal with that moving forward if, he's, if he remains healthy. But they were able to overcome it in this game, which might be a pretty good sign for them. Yeah, Trey Young, the 35 and 10, but a minus 11 in this game. There was there was not a single starter for the Hawks who was a plus. Yeah, it, it was it was really was that bench versus bench run in the first half when the Hawks had a 17-0 run. And that was essentially the entire game. And there was a little bit of noise in there, as you might expect for a 17-0 run. But Philadelphia was keen on allowing their bench to kind of let them lose this game, quite honestly. Uh, it was an interesting decision by Doc Rivers. I wonder how how much of that will, will continue in this series. But uh, game one, uh, bench advantage goes to Atlanta for sure. Coming up, did the Titans just become bona fide Super Bowl contenders? Cue the day is next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And they sent us this new flavor, Grasshopper Cookie. And I just, I'm freaked out a little bit because I am from the Midwest. Grasshopper cocktails are a thing that we love there. Grasshopper pie. And my favorite flavor at my favorite ice cream place is their flavor of the day when it is grasshopper fudge. These things are unbelievable. They have these limited edition flavors all the time. They almost always sell out. Go check out Built Bar. And right now, if you need an incentive to do it for the first time, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off that first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. 100% chocolate, and yet we're talking about high fiber, high protein, low carb, low sugar, everything you want in a protein bar. And guess what? Now you can get it for cheaper with the promo code LOCK15, gets you 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Agree or disagree? This is the Q of the Day. 
Apparently, one football player who does not seem to be from this planet was not enough for the Tennessee Titans. Derrick Henry, not of this world. Now they get Julio Jones, too. Maybe they'll play the Monstars. We'll see. Joining me now from Locked on Titans, Tyler Rowland and, and Ty, how much do you think this changes the ceiling for the Tennessee Titans? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that, uh, you know, the Monstars thing, because you got certain players out there, not even on the Titans, saying that they're the Tennessee Nets, you know, because they're going to be trying to add everybody now. So I think that's pretty funny. But realistically speaking, I mean, you looked at the Tennessee Titans team right now. They reallocated a lot of resources to the defensive side of the ball with the draft and free agency. They didn't really do a lot to replace the playmakers they lost on the offensive side of the ball. So this move puts them back into a spot where you figured they were going to regress on offense because of the pass catchers that they lost, but they stacked the defense. Maybe they could be a more balanced team rather than terrible defense, good offense. Thought, okay, they'll kind of average up. But now with the addition of Julio Jones, I think it gives them the ability to have just as potent of an offense as they had last year, you know, a top five style offense. And when you add a top five caliber offense like we've seen from the Titans the last two years and what should be, quote-unquote, should be a improved defense for the Titans. You put that together and you have to think that they should be able to make a deep run into the playoffs and win a few games. Whether they can beat the Chiefs at the end of the day, if that's who they match up with in the AFC Championship game again, I don't know if they're there, but I think they'll be able to compete in that game and who knows how the chips fall. So I think this takes them from kind of losing wild card weekend, losing divisional round weekend, to having a chance to get to the AFC championship game and ultimately gives them a chance to make it to the Super Bowl. The other thing that strikes me about this deal is getting Julio Jones means a team like Baltimore doesn't or, or any of the other AFC contenders who were rumored to be involved here. The Ravens were the favorite, in fact, to get Julio Jones. So to bring him in, even if he is not going to change the world the way that he might have in his prime, you're keeping him away from some of those other teams. So if you're going to stack the hierarchy, yeah. I mean, it's it's the Chiefs, we think, and then sort of everyone else. But does this put the Titans in that that sort of next tier to you? Well, honestly, it, see, the thing is the defense is such a question mark. If Mike Vrabel had any modicum of NFL success being in charge of a defense, I would be able to, to say, yeah, they're with the Chiefs, the Bucks, the Packers, those teams right there. But... The reality is until I see the defense, I can't quite commit to that. I think they're right there with the Bills, the Browns, the Ravens, the Steelers, if they get their act right and play the way they played at the beginning of the year. They're with those teams. And honestly, I think a dark horse here is the Chargers, which you talk about the teams that the Titans kept him away from. The Chargers were rumored to be in there. The Colts were in early on. The Ravens, the Patriots were right in there. The Raiders were considered a dark horse. So a lot of the the big heavy teams, other than like Seattle and San Francisco, a lot of the big heavy teams in the race were in the AFC. And when you think about the Chiefs being that top of the mountain team, you know, you're playing Mortal Kombat, they're the final boss. When you think about that, and then you think about all the other teams that are kind of in that mishmash area that I just mentioned, what could be the one thing that puts the Titans above to not only put them with the Chiefs, but put them above the Chiefs potentially 
it's a Julio Jones trade. It's this move. So you're right. It's not only just adding to what the Titans needed so desperately. It's the fact that you may have put yourself in a position to level yourself up against all the competitors who coincidentally were also kind of in on this race. So it's twofold in the benefits there, but you're 100% right. It helps in a multitude of ways. And finally, Chicago White Sox manager Tony La Russa moved into second place on Major League Baseball's all-time manager wins list with his 2,764th career victory on Sunday. La Russa passed John McGraw after his team beat the Detroit Tigers 3-0 in Chicago. He now trails only Connie Mack. Tony La Russa not, however, on the Mount Rushmore of handling rookies who want to hit home runs on 3-0 counts. Now that you've got the news, go make some money. Listen to Locked on Bets. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on Tuesday, can the Bucks take advantage of a hardenless Nets team? So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.